Welcome to the Campus Fellowship Podcast. This is a podcast interview where we seek to highlight for you a resource on our website that we think will be a blessing to your life. My name is Jacob Bennett, and I serve as the Executive Director of Campus Fellowship, which exists to equip local churches in a common mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ on college campuses who worship God and change the world. And with us today also is Caleb Thompson from Walnut Creek Church in Des Moines, Iowa. Welcome, Caleb. Thank you. Glad to be on. Great. Um, So before we get into the article you wrote about sex, um, I thought it would be good for our listeners to hear about you um, and how you you just got into college ministry. Like, so could you briefly share how did you get to do what you're doing? Well, I grew up in like the typical uh, Christian household. Uh, went to church, uh, heard the gospel a lot. The gospel wasn't sweet to me. Um, when I went to college, was really searching and seeking, uh, and and went after everything the world. Uh, uh, told me to go after to feel valuable and successful, uh, including sex. And uh, that was uh, not, it did not satisfy. And that's a lot of uh, people's experience. So um, I said, God put people in my life that that I can walk with you with. I had no idea what that meant. And God ran me into uh, some people who were doing collegiate ministry down in Des Moines between my freshman and sophomore year. They shared the gospel with me. The gospel became sweet to me at that point in time. Uh, and then uh, I just grew a heart and a desire to uh, intersect with the people who uh, were me, just going off into college, very lost, Christianized, uh, but lacking uh, a deepness of understanding and a uh, a heart that really valued what Christ did on the cross. So from that point on, on I, I helped out with our campus ministry when I was in college, and and it was growing and, and fruitful in that respect. And there was an opportunity for me to go on staff with Walnut Creek Church doing campus ministry at Grandview, and uh, the rest is history. I've been doing this for like 12 or 13 years, something like that. And we've been doing ministry together, you and I, for, for so many years. Um, it's just been a joy. Uh, But let's begin by talking and pointing out the elephant in the room is that we're talking about sex. And when you talk about sex, people start to have emotional reactions, Um, any number of emotional reactions from guilt and shame to being defensive or even offended. Um, So what might you say to someone who might be uh, starting to have some emotional reactions right now as we're starting to talk about sex? Well, I think that uh, when someone is having an emotional response like that, uh, just with uh, some words being spoken, it just shows the power uh, the, the power of uh, that particular topic. Uh, that, 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 that what you're talking about has a sense of, of a sense of power and control. It just, it just means that it's a really valuable topic that you have to think about uh, a lot before progressing forward and, and acting upon the emotion or uh, the desire, whatever it, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's really true. And, um, yeah, sex is a very powerful force in the world throughout all of human history. So, um, but why then should we be talking about sex with college students? I think back to like maybe uh, generations gone by where the church maybe wouldn't, wouldn't lean into 
the topic of sex from the pulpit or from uh, a very direct approach. Um, why should we even do that today? Yeah. Well, I think first of all, uh, the Bible has a lot to say about sex. And so if we are going to be in ministry and preaching the whole counsel of God, then it's completely essential that we know and understand uh, what God says about sex and talk about it as much or more uh, than God talks about it. And the reason why we would talk about it even more is because sex is... Uh, Sex in the American culture, sex and cultures in history is it's, they just go hand in hand with one another. We were, we were talking, you know, if you look, if you read in Corinthians or uh, Corinthians especially, you, you uh, or or any uh, you read about um, any of the uh, Gentile cultures, they were worshiping gods, and part of their idol worship was uh, temple prostitution and going to the temples and, and worshiping God. And that way, and it's no different in our culture. We we don't go to temples, but we go to our computer screens. And so uh, that just means that with so many people uh, practicing uh, sex, pursuing sexual desires uh, outside of uh, God's alignment with how he created and what he created sex for, uh, the church needs to talk about it a lot more. Yeah, yeah, that's totally right. I'm I'm sometimes surprised by how much um, sexual innuendo and like, um, like how much the Bible talks about sex and yeah. hints at sex yeah. and uses it in imagery. It's like, yeah. it was like mind blowing to me the first time I read my Bible. Yeah, and and praise God for that because uh, uh, and and growing up, you know, when we were doing this this series and kind of what this article spawned from. Uh, we had three or four sermons in a row that were talking all about sex with our college students. And I remember asking people, hey, uh, who's heard one sermon in their whole life about sex? And very few people raised their hand. And I said, who's heard two sermons in their life about sex? <laughs> and one person raised their hand. I remember that vividly. Uh, and But never two sermons in a row and never four sermons in a row. Yeah, the Bible, the Bible talks about it a lot, and it's really helpful uh, with this topic to uh, communicate and, uh, and the culture that we live in, the extreme value of sex, that God created sex. Mm -hmm. Sex is good. It's an incredible tool that God gave uh, to, for men and women to enjoy in the right context. So uh, let's jump into a little bit of some things that you talk about in your article. One thing you mentioned in the article is about how sex, it unites two people. Um, and uh, let's talk about from like, uh, like a natural physical perspective, and then we'll talk about from a spiritual perspective. So um, during sex, uh, women's brains release oxytocin. It's known as the cuddle drug. Um, that helps facilitate bonding and attachment. Um, and men's brains release vasopressin, uh, which um, becomes like a, like a loyalty drug uh, to foster loyalty to uh, someone. So from a scientific perspective, if that's happening, why is it dangerous to have sex outside of marriage? Just a little caveat. 
I did study aerospace engineering, which is in the science field for you one did. semester at Iowa State. You did. Um, you but are that does scientist. not mean that I am uh, <laughs> I am well spoken and versed uh, with uh, all things neurology. Nor am I. <laughs> but but just from some of my study uh, from uh, when we were going through these sermons, uh, and just from uh, from being a part of the church that uh, Walnut Creek Church and hearing sermons over the years. Uh, uh, regarding this topic, um, that's kind of where my that that knowledge and nuggets of wisdom have have come from. But the reality is, like, uh, would you handcuff that that person for the rest of your life? And in some respects, uh, when you are having sex with somebody, uh, God has designed uh, the chemicals in the body to bond two people. Uh, for a lifetime and so in some respects uh there is the the neural pathways that are created uh during sex and there's just even the danger of your mind uh remembering that interaction with with that person and and if you've had any sexual experiences if you've had very few especially you will remember those experiences for a long while and that can be that can be really damaging when you do seek to desire God's design for marriage, one man, one woman, one lifetime, and for sex, to, to have sex be in the, con, uh, uh, in the context of marriage. And, and you don't want to bring those memories into the bedroom at all. So I think that that speaks to the danger of, of bonding yourself with another person in, that, such, in such a powerful way. Yeah, and that bonding can happen not just even with another person, but it can happen with images. Yeah. It can happen with, you know, images on the screen. Yeah, for sure. Which is, you know, just as dangerous or even more because there's such, we have a screen in your pocket all day, every day. Every single one of you that are listening to this right now have a, has, have a screen in your pocket and are probably listening to this podcast from that screen that's in your pocket right now. Yeah. So let's maybe shift then um, perspective. So... Um, and we always want to be very cautious and like God is a, an abundant amount of grace. Like um, he can heal in um, crazy ways. So um, so even even all this t- talk about like the effects, the harmful effects, like we might have to deal with some of those. We don't want to overemphasize that to overshadow his grace and his mercy and how he can redeem and reconcile. Um, so let's maybe shift though to the spiritual perspective. Like what does this sex outside of marriage do spiritually to people? The big thing that I wanted to talk about with this question is just uh, the reality of sin is costly. And the real danger, the spiritual danger, I think that's what you're asking, the spiritual danger of sex outside of God's design. The spiritual danger is the fact that, that Christ had to die for it. Like that's that's why Jesus had to come, had to come was because of our sin, because of the the um, the penalty of sin, and so that's why that's one of the huge dangers of of spiritually, uh, and beyond that, uh, so sin has broken people uh, relationally, eternally from God, um, and but even the Christian who comes to Christ will not be perfect in the area of their pursuit of sex uh, in dating relationships or with pornography and the, and the computer. Uh, but 
The second danger is that power aspect. When when you're in sin, uh, it it you are enslaved to it, and that slavery means that you are not there. There's some sort of barrier relationally between uh, us and God, and so the fact that we would f- feel you know guilt or shame, it's a warning sign that there's some sort of rift between us and uh, and the Lord. So. Uh, that sin it creates that rift, and of course confession and um, repentance and confession uh, for the Christian can remove that barrier where we can be in back in relational uh, harmony, if you will, with the Lord. Um, and and the alternative is is if there's no repentance, that you're not going to experience that uh, that relational unity with the Lord until there is repentance of that sin yeah yeah i mean you and i both know that sin loves darkness Mm -hmm. and sin in darkness just grows and it affects so many other parts of of our walk with the lord um i think it's so what you said is so true so how might a college student who is uh like all of a sudden confronted right now as they're even just listening to this like i need to do something um and i've maybe tried to do something for years or tried and then failed and then not tried and what would advice would you give to a christian who's hearing this saying i need to do something yeah for uh, bring it to light bring it to light and you you already alluded to that but first john 1 9 it's uh, John is talking to the Christian, and he says, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive. Well, if someone's already Christian, uh, they've already been justified, so he's not talking about justification there. I think he's talking about sanctification. He's talking about pulling that uh, the curtain up between you and the Lord. And, and it doesn't even say confessing to Jesus. It says if we confess to one another. So I think the reality, the big thing right here is f- finding someone who you know that loves Christ with, with all their heart uh, and is a genuine person and confessing that and saying, I need help uh, and, and being serious to move in that, in that direction, saying whatever I got to do to... Um, to kill sin before it kills me, uh, I will do it. Well, that's really good to hear. And, um, and we're going to, I, I don't think we've done this on a podcast. Um, could we pray just for like a second Yes. and just pray that if there's someone listening to this right now who needs to do that, that God would give them grace to do that. Would you pray for, yeah, yeah, please. I'd love to, um, father, we, uh, understand, recognize that you are present right here, uh, even into the future as someone who we have no idea who they are, where they're at. They're listening to this podcast and struggling deeply. I pray that you would uh, uh, give them courage to confess, uh, give them the people that they respect in their lives to confess to uh, for the sake of uh, you showering your mercy on them. Uh, and uh, I, I just pray that uh, also they would know and understand that there is that their only hope is in Christ, 
uh, eternally. Their only hope for um, reprieve from from sexual sin is uh, is in is in the arms of Christ. So give them count, power uh, and courage to turn um, toward you, uh, to walk faithfully with you in uh, in your Word and uh, to know <laughs> the reality that. Uh, uh, when they're in the middle of this, that it seems like completely hopeless, uh, and to not give up as their continuous struggle and battle uh, through having victory in walking faithfully with the Lord in the area of sex and sexuality. We give these things to you, Jesus, and we, in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Caleb. We've never done that on a podcast. Maybe we'll do it from time to time, but I thought it was very appropriate to do that right now. So. So thanks for joining us, Caleb listeners. If you found this conversation stimulating to your faith, please check out the whole article online about sex. Is it master, dirty, or a good gift? And the link is in the show notes.